0: Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at MontroseChurch.org. Have a great day. Hey, everybody. Um, So uh, I'm joining you and uh, sharing the sermon with you uh, because we haven't tried it enough different ways yet. Uh, there hasn't been enough challenges yet, so uh, we're going to try it this way for today, and here's the reason why. Uh, one of our family members uh, is not feeling well. Now, we don't know anything about what might be going on, probably just allergies or a cold, but out of an abundance of caution, we decided uh, that uh, it might be better for me to uh, you know, broadcast uh, live from right here. So here I am. And you know, we haven't, we haven't tried this yet. So I've tried, uh, you know, the empty room thing. And so now here we're separated, uh, by one more element. And I do have to tell you when I found out that, uh, I was going to uh, be joining you like this, uh, I decided that I would wear a patterned shirt. And the reason is because I'm not allowed to wear uh, a patterned shirt on Sunday. It messes up the cameras, uh, evidently, you know, uh, things freak out. So um, so now I can do whatever I want. I'm not in front of the camera. So hopefully uh, I won't find out that I'm not supposed to be wearing this patterned shirt here either. Um, and uh, I just, wow, I've just been sitting listening to the song, Worn. And uh, I think it's our heart. Uh, we want to see redemption win. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but I'm feeling weary and I'm feeling worn out. And when I've started to think about sharing the sermon in this way, uh, in this room and, and kicking off this brand new series called Weary, um, I, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of glad to be sitting in this space and because uh, I just want to share my heart and um, maybe there's so many sensitive things for us to talk about uh, in this time uh, with everything that's happening. So, maybe just sit back and uh let's talk, let's chat a little bit and think a little bit together i I think for for me, I just feel weary. I feel weary with the way things work. I feel weary and a little overwhelmed. I feel weary um, with the way everything right now is politicized. Uh, I'm just a little bit weary with um, you know the political correctness. I'm weary with trying to figure out exactly what to say and how to say it. And uh, all of that sort of drives me uh, further into myself uh, at a time where I'm already really isolated. And uh, and uh, I think for a lot of us, if it feels like since I don't know exactly what to say or how to say it or even how to express my emotions or even work through it verbally, um, it it feels like I'd rather be quiet but then being quiet it has become a statement in and of itself. And, and so it's wearying. It kind of wears out your heart. It wears out your mind. It, it takes a toll on us. It takes a toll on me. And, uh, and I start to feel worn down with all of it. And so I, I thought maybe what would be great is, um, you know, for us to spend some time together thinking about what that looks like. And thinking about from the words of Jesus, what he might teach us and what he might say to us uh, at this time of weariness. And I got to be honest with you, as I've been working uh, through this series and writing and praying and thinking about it, I got to tell you, uh, boy, there's some things I didn't expect. There's some things that uh, I think Jesus is trying to teach me um, about what it means to get towards the antidote for weariness. And so um, uh, we're going to do five steps, five steps from the teaching of Jesus as an antidote for wear- weariness. And uh, and so today is, uh, you know, it's called the yoke. And so you can probably already guess kind of the passage that we're going to talk about and what it means and uh, what goes on in that sort of idea. It seems like there's a lot of weary people and it seems like we're in pretty good company. And I don't know if you've ever really sat down in the space and read this slowly and let it sink in. But Luke 22, chapter 22, verse 39 says this, Jesus went as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So several things immediately jump out to me as I read that account from Luke, which is more impassioned than some of the others, and some details we don't get in some of the other accounts. So so first of all, Jesus had a usual place. So Jesus experienced a weariness and, and, and described here as anguish. He experiences an anguish, he needs strength from his father. It's not the first time. In fact, it, it has happened to him so frequently that he has a usual place. And he goes to his usual place. And when he comes to the place, he tells the disciples to pray. And then he goes on. And now we're, we're, we're told that he, he is in anguish and he prays earnestly. These are powerful words about the emotions that Jesus is feeling. And he, he anguishes and prays with earnestness in such a way that the sweat falls from him. And, and so weariness is not unique to you. It's not you unique to me. It's, it's, it's something that happened even to Jesus. And then there's the disciples. And so there are, these are the main characters of the redemptive story at the climactic moment of the redemptive story. And here's Peter and James and John, and we're told that they are invited by Jesus to pray, and instead of praying, they fall asleep. But Luke even tells us that, that it's not a normal kind of sleep. They didn't just doze off. It's that fitful kind of es- escape kind of sleep in which what's going on inside of them is they're deeply sorrowful. And all they really know to handle that emotion is just to sleep, just to just to escape, just to stop hurting, just to stop being anxious, just to stop being fearful. And And I think it just speaks to us about the reality that that what they're going through, what they're feeling, what Jesus is feeling, what's happening to them is a is a soul kind of bone deep i don't know do they say that anywhere else except in texas i was i'm bone tired i'm bone tired i'm not just tired on the surface i'm tired all the way down to the to the bones they're they're in that bone tired kind of place and I think as they experience that and as they as they as we understand it it's not just you and I that get weary it's not just you and I that get worn down it's It was a part of the life of Jesus too there's really no way to make the segue. So, so I didn't write one. I just said, you know what, Hey, there's no good way to make it. We're going to segue anyway. So some of you know, uh, and remember Monty Python and Monty Python is sort of bizarre, you know, English comedy troupe that uh, made lots of movies and lots of uh, TV shows back in the seventies. And, uh, and so I just, one of those skits stands out to me. Um, it was called, uh, the hundred yard dash for people with no sense of direction. Maybe you've seen it before. And and so a typical sort of track meet kind of setting and, and, and there's all the people out there and they're all lined up at the starting line and you got the starter with the gun raised and the gun goes off. And when the gun goes off, uh, all of the people run in a different direction. And I don't know about you, but that's how my insides feel. I feel like I'm, I'm set, I'm ready. I want something to happen. I want things to change. I, 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 I'm i ready to go. But when the gun goes off, I, I don't know which direction to run. And what usually happens to me is I'm running in every direction at once. And I don't feel like I'm winning the race that way. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. I, I, I'm hurrying, but I don't know, you know where it is and what to do and how to cope and how to think through it. So there's certain qualities about this passage of Scripture that I want to read that we're going to focus on this morning, Uh, and and I don't know about you, but it it has such a soothing element to this, and so I want to ask you, what strikes you as you hear them? What do you focus on? What stands out to you? Uh, This is called the first step of a hermeneutic, and so so, uh, whatever you're doing, get quiet, settle everybody down, gather around, and... uh, and uh, as I read the words, because I think they come off as sort of like a biblical lullaby, uh, and uh, and so I just want you to to listen and relax and let the words soak in there's an antidote for weariness in this process and in these words matthew eleven twenty eight come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what struck you? What what did you notice? What words continue to linger in your mind when the reading has ended? Weary? Heavy burdened? Rest? Hold on to that. So when I read this and I began to think about it, I decided, uh, you know, maybe it would do uh, good to do a little research into oxen and yokes. And so I did. And here's what I thought would happen. I really expected that the information would come from some, you know, archaic source, that it's something that I'd have to go back uh, to some document that's, you know, several hundred years old. Uh, But that's not what came up. In fact, what came up is a current series of publications uh, from the government of New Zealand. In fact, they're contained in the New Zealand Digital Library. Uh, And and the New Zealand Digital Library contains a collection of pamphlets of little books uh, called Better Farming. And wouldn't you know that in volume 14 of that series, uh, that's entitled Farming with Animal Power. And inside that little booklet, it gives you some very important information, in fact, several chapters on how to train oxen. And so I I, I didn't copy several chapters, but I did copy a few paragraphs, and I'd like to read them to you. And I'd like for you to just stay with me because I think this matters. Oxen can be very useful if they are well-trained. Once oxen are trained, they should be harnessed fairly often. Never leave them too long without harnessing them. If you do harness your oxen for six months, if you do not harness your oxen for six months, they will lose their good habits. In the dry season, when there is no plowing or cultivating to do, harness your oxen for transport, then they will not lose their good habits. Harnessing oxen with a yoke is the heading of the next paragraph. A yoke is a piece of wood placed on the heads or necks of oxen, which is used for pulling farm implements. The yoke must be made of strong wood. It must not be too heavy. It should weigh between six and nine kilograms. We're lost here. We have no idea. Uh, there are neck yokes for harnessing a single ox and yokes for harnessing two oxen together. The yoke's placed on the neck of the animal, and when the oxen's pull, the yoke settles down into the right place. Farmers can easily make such a yoke. Are the village blacksmith? or a carpenter can do it. Heading number three, how to train oxen. Always put the same ox on the same side of the yoke. The left-hand ox must always be on the left, and the right-hand ox must always be on the right. To get young oxen used to the yoke, you can put the ox which is being trained along with an ox who is already trained. Be sure to put the left-hand ox always on the left and the right-hand ox always on the right. Then tie the oxen to be trained to the same yoke for two or three days. Let them go free for two or three hours, but keep an eye on them. To prevent them moving too much, tie a rope on a foreleg and loop it around the animal's back. On the fifth day, get the oxen to walk in a straight line. Don't hit them. You're going to need a lot of patience. I I just found that to be fascinating. And so as I read through that and I thought about the passage, I don't know about you, but my focus always falls on the weariness And the burden, and then it skips right to rest. And and I jump right into that place where I want to think about the yoke being easy and the burden being light and rest unto my soul. What I really want out of this passage, and what I usually read it for and think about it and quote it for, is because I want a Psalms 23 kind of kind of green pastures and still waters and, and restored soul kind of experience. But as I've prayed about it and thought about it, it seems to me that I am for the first time noticing that the very first thing Jesus says is, I'll give you rest, but you have to, very next word, are you weary, have a burden, take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you will find rest unto yourself. I, I don't know about you, but immediately I don't like where this is headed. I I, want to lay down. I want to rest. I thought that the antidote for weariness was sleep. I I, I thought it was getting away from the stress and away from other things and, and letting my heart and mind be quiet and still. But Jesus has something else in mind. He has something else going on in this process. So when I think Jesus chooses this language, I think he wants us to understand a few things. I see six things that stand out to me that I think matter very much. Number one, I think when Jesus invites us to the yoke, the yoke means partnership. If I just stop and I think about this story and I think about this metaphor and I think about the illustration, I find myself thinking that I'm the ox and Jesus is the farmer, that he's the one who's telling me where to go and he's the one telling me what to do. And, and, and I know that there are, you know, other ways in scripture in which we might talk about the sheep and the shepherd and the shepherd sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And there's no question about the authority. But here, when Jesus says, for all you who are weary and burdened, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And it insinuates partnership. It insinuates that, that beside us, locked into the harness, is Jesus himself that he's beside us, and that he's pulling along with us, that we're not alone, that he's not behind us, that he's with us, that he's come beside us to help carry us through whatever it is you and I are facing. And and in that is this powerful sense of, it's so consistent. When Jesus says in in John, I will will not leave you as orphans. I will send you a comforter. The word is paraclete which literally means I will send the comforter to come beside you and hold you up. Take my yoke upon you. I I think there are some of us this morning that are so weary and we need the yoke. We need to know that we have come to a place in partnership with Jesus where he is inviting to get beside us in whatever you're pushing, whatever you're pulling towards, whatever's going on in your story, in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, in your family, in your job, in your finances, in the uncertainty, in the politics, in in the polarized world in which we're living. He's going to be partnering and pulling with us. The second thing that I I notice is the yoke means action. I read this passage and have read this passage and have memorized this passage, and I got to tell you, until writing this series, what has resonated with me mostly is rest, laying down, stopping. But Jesus is asking us to do something, to go somewhere, to accomplish something. And I don't know about you, but, but I don't think of that as the antidote for weariness. I want to do less. I don't know about you, but I am asking less of my body, less of my physical self these days than, than any time I can remember in a long time. So somehow the less activity, the less stress on my physical person is not resulting in more rest. It's not making me less weary. Somehow it's translating into more weariness. Don't you think Jesus knows that? Don't you think Jesus understands that? It seems like that weariness must be a byproduct of being listless and lost and confused and overwhelmed. And so Jesus suggests that the first step towards resting your soul is to open up your mind and take up the yoke and get ready to accomplish something. The yoke is about action. Number three, the yoke means order. It means order. I can't get this image out of my head without thinking about what goes on in the plowing of a field. It's very orderly. It's not random. In fact, you can tell an experienced farmer from a a novice by how straight the lines are and how ordered it is. And so I don't know, but it seems to me if you sort of push the metaphor a little bit that what we're suggesting is that here we are in the middle of this field and there is an action to take and it's creating an order. Something's coming out of it. When we're all done, there'll be some measured lines uh, in fact, what's going to uh, ultimately result is is some plants are going to grow, and there's going to be nourishment and food. We're not just taking action; there's action with effect. There's something going on in this process, and ultimately, it's for good. Ultimately, I think we understand that order and rest sort of go together, and disorder and unrest and weariness sort of go together. And I don't know about you, but it feels like the whole world. Has gotten out of order. The whole world has gotten out of order. And these words of Jesus just rest and they come to me, all you who weary and all of you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest unto your soul. But it's not where you think it is. It doesn't happen by another nap, it doesn't happen by uh, another walk. It happens when we open our hearts and we open our minds to learn and to listen. Number four, the yoke means focus. It means focus. It means closing out the distractions and allowing our hearts and minds and spirits to focus. Oxen are in the yoke so they can focus on the job at hand. Uh, I think that's a significant thing to think about. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, if you, if you think about how, a farmer plows a straight line. Do you know how a farmer plows a straight line? Plows a straight line? It doesn't matter. It hasn't changed in, in, in centuries, in millennia. The way that you plow a straight line in a field with very few landmarks and no real sense of, I'm sure now you probably just turn the GPS on and the tractor drives itself. But for those that have less expensive tractors, are you behind oxen, the reality of how you do it is you pick a fixed point far ahead and then you pick a fixed point on the plow or the tractor. And sort of as you would look down the sights of a gun, you you, you line up the fixed point on the tractor or the fixed point on the plow with the fixed point that is far out in the distance. And if you keep those two things lined up, it's got to be far in the distance. Can't be a fence post at the end of the row because it's going to get closer and closer and you're going to lose all perspective. It's got to be a fixed point way out there in the distance. And if you line up the fixed point on the plow and a fixed point in the distance, you end up with a very straight row. And this call to be in the yoke is about getting focused. And let me ask you this question. Do you have a fixed point far ahead? Is there a fixed point out there somewhere in your future, somewhere ahead of you, somewhere beyond tomorrow, beyond next week, beyond the end of COVID? Is there a fixed point out there and a fixed point in your own heart and in your own life? And, and you keep aligning up the fixed point in your own heart and with the fixed point that's way out there in the future. It's a focused yoke. Number five, the yoke means commitment. I don't know if you know this, but oxen are draft animals and they're a a choice because of several things. Number one, they have tremendous stamina. They're fairly intelligent. They're pretty pleasant animals. They're not prone to violence. They're quite gentle. Uh, They're also cheap, uh, but they also can work harder and longer than horses traditionally through history. And, And so, uh, the oxen have a sense when they are trained that when the yoke is on, there is a commitment. There is work to be done, and they focus and they plot along. And I, I just think you know, you and I are not racehorses. We're not chosen for our beauty and our pedigree. We're chosen because we can be gentle and committed. We can be plotters. We can be consistent. We can get up day after day. We can take the next step and the next step and the next step, and we can stay at it with consistency and commitment. And I know this. I know in these days of COVID, it's been harder. It's been harder to understand even what is our commitment. What are we supposed to be consistent at? But I just want to encourage you, man, If you, the antidote for weariness is a yoke, and that means we're going to stay at it. We're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. We're not going to stop in the middle. We're going to keep moving ahead. There's a commitment insinuated and called for when Jesus invites us into the yoke. And finally, number six, the yoke means a goal. There's a goal. You don't put the yoke on unless there's something to accomplish. There's a task at hand. There's something that we're supposed to do. There's something we're supposed to be. And so we're invited into this place where there's a goal in mind. And Jesus has a goal in mind. He has a goal in mind for you, and he has a goal in mind for me. And I just want to ask you this question, and then I'm just going to talk to you for a minute. Do you have a goal in mind for you? Do you have a goal in mind for today, for the rest of this week, for next week, for next month? What's the goal I'm not talking about, you know, well, my goal is to get back to work and my goal is to stay healthy and my goal, yes, I understand we, we all have some of those goals. But what about you as an individual? What are you becoming? What is the fixed point in your life and the fixed point far ahead? and how does that translate? How does that focus and, and the commitment and the goal translate into behavior on a daily basis? Because the yoke always has a goal and if you want rest according to jesus you got to buckle up you got to get ready for action you you got to step into this space in which you and i are invited to partner to partner with jesus to pull us forward and to pull us along so Let me just ask you a couple of questions and make a few comments, and this is probably not politically correct, but I'm in my own home office, and so, hey, I don't know about you, but um, I feel like for myself, and I'll just speak for myself, uh, you know, there's this hot new term running around, woke, you know, we need to get woke uh, which means we become aware. And I don't know, about you, but I want to be woke. I, I don't want to be un, unwoke. <laughs> I don't want to be asleep. I don't want to be foolish. And as I start to think about that and think and ask myself the question, Am I am I woke? Do I get it? I mean, there's a lot of things I don't get. There's a lot of things I don't understand. I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to be open. But when I stop and I really start to analyze it, it seems to me that to be woke is a value. It's something that happens inside my intellect. But to be yoked is a virtue. It demands that I do something. And I'm not saying that we all shouldn't be woke. We we should become sensitive and aware and well-adjusted and not in denial but there's a yoke and the yoke means we don't find rest unto our soul by something that happens in our brain. We have to get in the yoke and we have to accomplish some things. And I think that matters. And the second thing that I really want to say from my heart is this, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the culture and in the world and, and in it there is a call and an invitation to things that we all believe in and trust to be vital justice mercy and into racism and into prejudice those are kingdom values articulated from the opening of the narrative of god reaching for his creation to the moments of revelation that probably that, that promise us that one day there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more parting, there'll be no more failure, there'll be no more weakness, there'll be no more death, there'll be no more sickness. And it seems to me that in our culture, we may have forgotten this. And I'm not necessarily talking about the culture at, yard, at large, I'm talking about the church. We seem to want kingdom fruit, but we don't really want to do kingdom work. And it seems like I want rest unto my soul, but I'm trafficking in things that are not kingdom driven. And so just to kind of wrap this conversation up, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, I don't think he just means something in the generic sense of it. I think he means things like this. You've heard it said to love those who love you, but I tell you to love your enemies and love those who spitefully use you. Listen, that's a yoke. That's work that takes focus. That takes not saying some things. It, it 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 means that you and I are loving people we don't understand. And Jesus pushes, it's not just people you don't understand. It, it, it's people who hurt you. It's people who misuse you. Man, I, I, my heart is breaking over the things that get spoken the things that get posted on media, the things that are happening inside our churches, the things that are going on in the hearts and minds of really good people who are weary and burdened. And they're lashing out and there's anger. I think when Jesus talks about the, Yoke, he, he wants us to understand the yoke means this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be taken care of. Don't, don't you think that you and I ought to be for something and not against stuff? I mean, I, I, it seems to me that there's a value, a virtue to be pursued. That as you and I seek the kingdom of God first, that is an end to racism. That is an end to gender bias. That isn't into injustice. There's no room in the holy kingdom of God in which those things are a reality. And I don't have to go fight anybody or put anybody down or talk negatively or destroy other people or get worried or be churned up inside of my own soul. I can focus and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that comes with all of this kingdom where there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, but all are equal in God's sight and in the kingdom. And we think of each other like that. The yoke is seeking first the kingdom. That's what Jesus meant when he said, if anyone would be my disciple, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. The yoke is this. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. except what is suitable for the building up of others that it may edify those who listen. It's an antidote for weariness. Why are we so weary? The world is so angry. We're angry. We're not even sure. We're overwhelmed. Here's the yoke. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that in due time he may lift you up. Cast all your cares upon him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert, for Satan roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith, knowing that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will himself make you strong and firm and steadfast. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am meek and humble in heart and you will find rest unto your soul because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me say a prayer for you as we think about step one towards the antidote for weariness is the yoke. God, would you help us Would you allow these words and the power of Scripture to simply move us in a way in which our hearts open up to the yoke that you desire for us? May we take the yoke upon us and learn from you. I pray that you'd bless homes and families and lives. I pray for those who feel weary and overwhelmed, where the anguish, where that sort of exhausted feeling is just overwhelming. And I pray today that you would speak to each one of us about not only this yoke that you have for us, the kingdom yoke, but the yoke that each one of us carry in our own homes and remind us that the first step away from weariness is not a nap. It's getting into the yoke and entering into that partnership with you. We give you thanks And we give you praise, and I place all of these folks in your hands in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's respond to the word together. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.